Welcome to the With Clarity and Purpose podcast with your host, Janet Borrego. Each week, I bring you an inspiring person or message to empower you to live life on your terms so you can be who you want to be, do what you are meant to do, and have the life you deserve to have. We will provide you with practical and cutting-edge approaches to continue getting clarity and direction on your path, mastering your mindset, and gaining confidence to tap into your inner wisdom so you can live on purpose. Welcome to another episode of With Clarity and Purpose. And today we have a super inspiring guest, Garrett Underwood. Thank you so much for being here today in the With Clarity and Purpose podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be on this call with you. I love it. So as you all know, this podcast is all about purpose-driven initiatives, purpose-driven careers, and Garrett is the embodiment of that concept, literally. Garrett is a founder and executive director of the Seed House Project, where he and his team partner with homeless shelters to provide career development and employment opportunities for those who may not have that capacity or that opportunity. They also have a housing facility where they house at risk youth. Wow, Garrett. I mean, I cannot (laughs) wait to hear the story of how you got where you are right now. That's awesome. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's been a long journey. Definitely a lot of ups and downs, different hoops of understanding of how to kind of really figure out and meet the need for the youth that we work with. But I guess I could start out just when I first kind of came up with the idea of starting to employ at-risk youth. I actually started a business before going into this field. I had a for-profit business where we did, I made it, it was a clothing company. We did a bunch of different images. It was a faith-based clothing company. And for what we did is for every purchase, we donate to, you know, different shelters, group homes, things like that. And it was just, we donated a hygiene kit. And so we started off doing that for a couple of years. We gave, you know, thousands upon thousands of hygiene kits. And I just became a little bit more curious within the youth and just seeing the influx of individuals experiencing homelessness. In LA, it's just growing bigger and bigger just because of the housing market, the employment opportunities are decreasing, especially since the shift of the pandemic. And so it's just, you know, saw a lot of youth that were experiencing homelessness. My first individual that I had an interaction with, he was living on Skid Row, which is a very popular area in, in LA where, you know, a lot of individuals are experiencing homelessness at. And he was in our line to get hygiene and food while we're passing these items out. About the same age as me at that time, I was about 22. Asked him a little bit about where he came from, who he was. And he was just telling me his story, he just kind of opened up and told me that, you know, he was going to school at USC, but living in a tent, like, you know, right down the wow. street from where we were. Yeah. And so as he was telling me, he was just kind of sharing that, you know, he went through the foster care system. And once he turned 18, a lot of the resources were no longer available. The group home he stayed at told him he had to leave and he couldn't find a place in time. So he had to stay in shelters. And because of his schedule with school, they have curfews. And so he couldn't really manage everything. And so that made me really, you know, dig into the area of I'm a fixer. So I like to, when I see certain things, I'm trying to figure out like, 
you know, what is the solution? What's the problem? And I found out, you know, about 30% of, you know, individuals experiencing homelessness come from the foster care background. And, you know, I thought that was a huge amount, you know, given the fact that, you know, the influx is continually growing. And so after the clothing company, I realized that I wanted to do a little bit more something that's more long term, not just a hygiene kit, but how can I create something where, you know, it's a lasting change. And so I started this employment program called Save a Penny. And the concept behind it is, you know, sometimes we walk past pennies every day, never think to pick them up. And this is just a reminder that there's a lot of youth that are experiencing homelessness that we may walk past and never really think to pick them up. And so this product was pretty interesting because they would put their names inside the pennies. And on the penny, it has like a capsule with a little story that they can share about their journey. And so our whole goal is to transform traumas into missions and help people to be able to understand you know, that your story has a bigger purpose, such like your show. Oh my God, I love it. <laughs> oh my God. Wow. I'm so inspired. Yeah. yeah. So that was kind of the start of that. We employed about 98 youth, 98 young adults at that within the first year. But the turnover was really high and youth were bouncing from home to shelter to shelter. Their phones were being turned off. So I made a decision, like my next phase was to actually find a home. But before that, I was working with the youth, uh, one individual named Cameron. And he excelled tremendously in our program and he ended up getting, you know, uh, housing as well as a, a new car and all of that. But he also had a substance abuse background. And so within a couple of months of him being placed in his apartment unit, he relapsed. And when he relapsed, he kind of lost his job. And so I let him stay with me for a little bit just to kind of get on his feet, stay with me for about a week. And then he went back to his apartment. Couple months later, this is an individual I kept mentoring, and in a and couple he's, months he's later, he's in your website. I was reading his story too, which is yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks for reading that. But uh, yeah, his whole, you know, a couple months later, we got a, you know, I got a, a text him just to see how he's doing, and he just sent me, you know, not good. In the time, you know, I really didn't know how to, because when he stayed with me for that week, it was just. It was a lot to take on, you know, anybody yeah. that goes through relapse, their anxiety is really high. They can't sleep, the eating patterns off. So you're, you're monitoring all this. And so it was just a lot for me within that week. And so when he texted me that I was afraid to kind of, you know, give my heart again, because it was just so much. And then a couple, you know, literally a couple hours, maybe 24 hours later, I see on my newsfeed, you know, RIP Cameron. So he passed away. Oh, in, in, no, I didn't read yeah. that part. Wow. Yeah. In the back of McCall's Jr. alone, you know, by self. And so that was more of the catapult of making the decision to, you know, move a little bit faster with the housing portion. And so I ended up donating my child at home. I was living in it at the time, had roommates, told them all to move out, gave them, wow. you know, one, <laughs> gave them one month. And then six months later, we started taking on youth into our home. And I actually lived in a trailer. So I got to kind of experience what it felt like to be homeless for a little bit because, you know, it didn't have electricity, didn't have a bathroom. I had to take showers at gyms and, you know, charging my phone was a, just the little details, little yes. small things that you just that wouldn't. We take for granted. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. It was wow. just a lot. So I, I really, you know, at the age of 18, being able to manage all that and trying to find your way. It's just a lot, you it's know, a lot. All it's once. overwhelming yeah. for sure. Yeah. What is, I mean, because I love everything you do and I can see the passion behind it. 
What is your story? I mean, what is the thing that inspired you to even, I don't know, work on this clothing company and donate like those kids? Like, what is your story? Maybe how was your childhood? Like, what is that thing that you have always had within you that has inspired you to do what you do right now? Yeah, no, that's a good question. I think a lot of us have this experience of trying to find ourselves at a young age, you know, and there's so many different things that influence who we become, whether it's your parents or, you know, economy trying, you know, telling you you have to make a certain amount of money in order to do a certain amount of things, you know. Mm -hmm. And so we get into all these fields that really isn't who we are. We just do it because it's something that's influenced. And so I actually have like a whole little program that kind of goes through how someone can find their purpose and who they are. Oh, um, I love it. <laughs> I even have like a free if anybody's interested, there's a free sheet where it has like five steps. It's at free, save a penny at freetools.org. So if anybody needs that. But anyways, my my na navigating that, when I went to college, I actually went to school for kinesiology. So it's a study of human movement. I was looking to do physical therapy, really big into sports when I was younger. But I, when I went to college, I you know, you start to kind of disconnect from a lot of your normal the people that you're normally around and it kind of gives you space to like figure out who you are. And so during that time I got into spirituality, kind of went into Christianity, really got connected to just the way Jesus kind of moved and how his actions were when he, you know, just his metaphors on like, you know, when someone hurts you, give them the other cheek and just different things like that. And I was like, wow, this guy's amazing. <laughs> um, <laughs> And so I was started striving to kind of shift my mindset of, of not focusing on myself, but focusing on everyone else. And I think when we're navigating to try to find like who we are, we don't realize that we're actually, you know, who we are is actually here to commune and help other people. Even the fact that when we, you know, have our first child, we're here to help other people. When we get married, we're here to support that person. So there's all these different layers that we don't see that we're here to like, you know, help other people. And so my life just kind of shifted once I got into deeper into his way of life, you know, when, when you start to see how much he was so giving, it kind of made me shift into that space. And so once I started doing that, I started thinking of different ways to be able to express myself. And that's how I got into the clothing. And then I wanted to figure out how I can give. And so that those are different things. A really good book is Starting Something That Matters by Blake Mikowski, the guy that created Tom Shoes. That was a book that really shifted my whole thought process of, you know, just figuring out how to, whatever you do, make sure you give back one for one kind of concept. And so it was really inspiring to kind of read his story. But I will say anyone out there that's really trying to figure it out, take some time to know, know yourself, peel back the layers, you know, understand your worldviews, take some personal assessment, you know, courses. We have that on our on that sheet that I sent out is a bunch of personal assessments for you to be able to find yourself and really understand what matters to you, not what your parents, not what your family, not what your surroundings, but who are you, you know? I love it. I always tell everyone really that the answers that often we are seeking outside, they are always within ourselves because the mm -hmm. outside world is a reflection of what's going on inside, you know, what mm -hmm. we perceive is a projection. So I love that you brought that up. And I love that you also brought that up, that giving concept and the truth about giving, because 
I feel often in society, we are programmed to believe that when we give, we have less for us. And it's the total opposite. When we give, we get even more and more, right? So Mm -hmm. we are here to serve, like you said. And anyways, I think we have very similar values in that regard. So I really appreciate you sharing that. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Okay, I love it. So that was the inspiration you have, like whenever you met Jesus in college, then you started resonating with his message and you started just to figure out how can I model that? How can I give? How can I serve? And then you started your clothing line and then you met that guy in the homeless guy in the line and that inspired you for you to create the, did you create the seed house project immediately after that? Was that your next? It started pretty much a couple months after but realistically i started save a penny which was the employment program right after yeah i love that in terms of homelessness because i do feel it is a very complex society issue and i mean in houston there are a lot of homeless mainly in downtown and i always i'm like you i always start thinking in my head you know like what are the root causes of all of these it sounds like A lot of it is systematic too for people in foster care that they don't have the resources. Like, what are your thoughts? What do you think the root causes are? And what can we do? Like, if someone is listening to this podcast, what can each one of us do to contribute to the cause? Yeah, no, that's a really good question. Yeah, you know, the situation of homelessness is very complex. It's not a not a one size, you know, fits all type of concept. But I will say that there are many system, like you said, systemic like systems that are in place that kind of, you know, start someone off in a bad space that doesn't necessarily help them to grow. But I think for me, what I hone in on, and like I said, there's so many different ways to kind of attack it. And I do believe the more people that start nonprofits that attack it on their own experience helps a certain you know, demographic of youth or demographic of individuals, you know, it's not going to be because their experience is, is pretty similar to most other people that probably experience the same thing. And so if we make more of these programs that meet certain people where they're at, then you can, you know, kind of change it. But for me in general, I just feel that I don't believe homelessness starts with just housing. I believe homelessness is the absence of hope. So if someone does not have hope, then that's what you may see where you see someone, you know, maybe talking to themselves and really like kind of just accepting where they're at. You know, when you have hope, you no longer accept where you're at. You just believe that where you are is temporary. And so for us at Seed House, we more so help individuals find that hope by creating various ways of expression, but also coupling, you know, supportive services such as how do you create a nonprofit or how do you build out a clothing line or, you know, so we bring all these resources within our program so that once you understand what your purpose is, now you have someone to sit down and kind of execute how to create it in a tangible way in this world. So if some youth, uh, one of our youth is went through a lot of things where he saw his mom get shot by his dad at three years old. And then he saw his little brother, his older brother get killed at 10 and he's been through 50 other group homes. He's came to an understanding of, you know, I want to transform this trauma into a life mission. And what does that look like for him? 
it's maybe for him, he's learning how to be a public speaker and how to make money off of being a public speaker and meeting other youth that are experiencing the same thing. So that kind of shifting that we call it purpose therapy, where you go through the normal mental health therapy program, but you're also using those traumas to build up your purpose. So figuring out what that purpose is, and then that basically, you know, catapults a whole different thing. You know, there's this, I don't know if you ever heard of Maslow's law of hierarchy, but yeah, AI, huh? yeah it's, you know, a lot of programs kind of focus on the basic deficient needs, which is uh, shelter, safety, food. But for us, we focus on those things, but we also focus on, you know, love and belonging, self-esteem, self-actualization. Yeah. And those are the things that in Maslow's law is the motivation, like the theory of motivation. So if you have motivation, then you will only experience homelessness for a temporary time. You know, Tyler Perry, all these different people that had a mission, but they lived in their car. I mean, Jim Carrey lived in his car, Tyler Perry lived in his car, but they had a bigger vision, bigger purpose. They believed that they were going to become this person. And so that's kind of our way of attacking. I love, I I love that. I mean, you are helping these young people find their purpose instead of telling them, Hey, these are the boxes that you need to fit in. But instead, it's highly customized to them for them to understand what really makes them feel fulfilled and that they belong and then create a journey out of that. I think mm-hmm. that's such a beautiful thing. I also love what you said because, you know, Tony Robbins. Yeah, yeah. He says it's not a lack of resources. It's a lack of resourcefulness. And I truly believe that whenever mm-hmm. you have that vision that is pulling you to move forward, you're going to figure out a way And that seems to be the catalyst that your mission is centered on finding that vision so you can move out with intention, with purpose. So that's such a beautiful thing that you're doing. I'm so proud of you and your team. Thank you. you. Appreciate it. That's awesome. So, okay. So would you say that most of these young people are from foster care or what would you say is the breakdown? like in terms of where they come or or their situations before getting there into that situation of being homeless? Yeah, I mean, uh, we get all all types of youth going through our program. But yeah, most of them have experienced homelessness, foster care system before experiencing homelessness. You know, you just got to imagine what that looks like without having a family foundation. So you're still trying to find your identity. And you're also dealing with mental health because, you know, anyone that even when you think of just like an animal or any species that's been taken away from their family, you're going to have some type of trauma effect to it. And so you have that attached to them as well. And so just, you know, there's social anxiety that happens, there's trauma bonds that happen. So when they go into work and work somewhere, like, you know, anyone else that works at a restaurant, they're dealing with 10 times higher PTSD than the normal person. Yeah. The statistics actually show that anybody that's went through foster care actually has, it's eight times higher PTSD than a war veteran that's been in, wow. in a war. Crazy. Yeah. If you didn't know that. Wow. Yeah. So it's a lot to carry. And so it's really, so that's why the percentage is pretty high as far as just 30% of youth that are experiencing homelessness are coming from that background wow. because of that. 
Wow. Thank you for sharing that. That's definitely, um, I mean, something that I didn't know. And it's so important to get educated in all these social issues so we can do something about it. Mm -hmm. So in your journey, right, you saw something that you believed in, which is helping all these young people. And you decided to start your nonprofit. So this is a nonprofit, right? Mm -hmm. What would you say were your biggest challenges and your biggest highlights of starting a nonprofit for the first time? And this is your first time starting a nonprofit? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So if someone is listening and maybe they have a cause that they are really motivated for and they want to start a nonprofit, what is the advice that you would give them? Like, what were the challenges? What were the highlights? How does that work? Because I don't have idea. <laughs> <laughs> I will say be very, very clear on the profile of the individual that you plan on serving. I think that we can get so such a big heart to want to serve everyone and that's that's a good heart to have but you want to be an expert in the field that you're in and variety can pull you back from that when you have too many different pain points that you have to reach when it comes to demographic that you work with and so my advice would be to just find be very clear on the profile that you're going to be working with so that you are laser focused on what you're going to be attacking within that individual. And like I said, I have this awesome sheet where, you know, five steps to figure out how to build out this nonprofit. And one of those is definitely talking about just researching the gaps within the industry that you're looking to serve. And I think the first question that you had as far as what were some of the things that I learned? I think that was one of them, really being able to hone in on on the profile that you're looking for. When I first opened up the home, opened it up to everyone, it was a disaster at that point because, you know, you're getting all different types of backgrounds. And there's, like I said, too many pain points to meet. And at that point, you know, for me, I didn't have all the funding that I needed to be able to bring in the different experts to support those pain points. And so that was a learning process. And I think also just learning the, you know, there's bureaucrats and politics to everything. And so when you're coming into certain space, you have to research what those politics and all that looks like so that you can navigate it in the way that you want, you know, because there's a lot of different funding out there, but they want you to do it their way, not necessarily your way. And you have to kind of figure out how are you going to fund this? in the way that you want want it to be rather than just taking on the funds that come your way. And then it becomes a whole other program that you didn't necessarily think about. So you really have to have strong integrity to like move away from those different opportunities. You even you get donors that also have their own request and belief in how things should be. And that's great when they have those that, you know, certain ideas and you definitely want more ideas, but they're not in the trenches with you. So yeah, you have yeah. to you have to know, you know, what your focus is on and have the integrity, like I said, to be able to move in the way that you want to move. I love that. Hey, whenever you have that vision, you can differentiate between an aligned action and a distraction, right? And it's exactly what you're saying. Mm -hmm. The money they're offering great, but maybe we don't have the same values or maybe we are not aligned in certain aspects. So I, I love that you said that because we experience that in every aspect of our lives. So that's awesome mm -hmm. that you mentioned that. Yeah. 
The other day I was in a networking event and I met a nonprofit consultant and she was telling me that most people that start nonprofit, they don't have an idea of the business side of a nonprofit. And I love everything you said because it sounds like it's like running any other business, right? Knowing your ideal client, like getting clear on what you want. Like, I mean, it, it sounds the same, basically. Yeah. Do you see any differences? I mean, you are running both or you have run both. What would you say are the main differences between profit and nonprofit? You're right. You know, you definitely want to make sure that you have a business sense uh, to going into a nonprofit. If you have all heart, but no business side, it, it will crash for yeah. sure. But I think the one thing that I learned is that there's, with a nonprofit, there's two ends of, of service that you're providing. With a for-profit, it's really just one end of service. Someone buys your product and then that's it. You don't know much about them. You might follow up with customer service emails or yeah. different things like that, but you're not managing their you know mental cycles of what's going on in life. With nonprofits, on the other end, you are managing the services that you provide for the individuals that you work with. You're also managing the services that you provide to the individuals that donate because you have to build a relationship with them so that they can keep supporting your vision and plan. So you have both ends that you're kind of pulling. So I will say that nonprofit is a whole other beast, but the reward is so much bigger. Um, I love that. You know, yeah. Yeah, she told me that it was like a nonprofit is like a corporation in many levels kind of thing. And I was like, wow, I didn't have idea how that works. But it seems like most people starting a nonprofit, they need loans. That's what she was telling me about. And that's when they reach out to her because they don't know how anything works <laughs> like business wise, but they need it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The loan piece, I would say that would be probably more like later down the line because you don't want to start off because nonprofits are so complex, especially if you're working with individuals, you really don't know what's going to work. You have an idea that might work, but it may not work. So you want to keep plugging playing until it becomes like you have a certain amount of outcomes that are met with what you expected to happen. But I would never, I wouldn't suggest getting a loan at the beginning because you got to pay that back and you want to make sure that, you know, what you're doing is right. And I think that goes even with the business. Like yeah. I would never jump into it with a loan. You want to make sure, unless you're getting into real estate or something, but exactly. other than that, yeah, you don't want to, you don't want to jump into it. So <laughs> I love it. Right. It's keeping in mind that that's something you got to give back. Is that something you need really? Right. Or can you be resourceful and figure it out any other way in the meantime? <laughs> yeah. So right now, do you still run the Chief Penny Collector and then the Seed House Project? Is that right? Yeah. So Save a Penny, we still run. That's more in-house. So if you go to Save a Penny, shopsaveapenny.org, you can literally see the necklaces that our youth make. It, they have a, a name inside of it with a penny and there's a story that's attached to it, their story. So you can kind of check that out. But yeah, they that is a way for them to create employment within home in home. But we also couple that with the purpose therapy and the coaching and all that stuff too. So they get paid for the hours of career development, purpose therapy, coaching, all that stuff too. So, you know, with 
18 and over, you always need to have an incentive. <laughs> so, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I love 18 and over. So all of yeah, us. Yeah. <laughs> we need to have an incentive too, my friends. I love it. Yeah, yeah for sure. That's beautiful. Um, so what is your vision? I mean, what is your vision for Seed House Project and everything else? What is your five, 10 year vision? What do you want to be, do and accomplish as you move forward? Yeah, I definitely would love to build more homes for youth, but specifically we're looking at doing like an international home. So having that international exchange, a lot of youth that are in these different coming through foster care, homelessness, they never really got the opportunity to be able to travel outside the country. And so I think for me, you know, I love traveling and it definitely opened up my eyes and possibilities and just understanding different cultures. And so we would look at doing some type of social enterprise with the Save a Penny in another country, but they would be going out there as like mentors for a couple months for like a quarter. And then the youth that were in the other country would come to America and actually be able to do the same thing. So it'd oh be, my God, that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what that's countries are you looking at? I'm curious. <laughs> we haven't figured it out yet. We're kind of seeing where the need is, but also the most like creative as well. So we haven't like really figured out the actual place, but I really like Thailand and even just Philippines. Those are really cool places. So I love it. I haven't gone to any of them yet, but I've heard that. <laughs> I was thinking Costa Rica, of course, like Spanish speaking everything. <laughs> no, Costa Rica is a really cool place too. That's another one that's on our list as well. <laughs> I love it. And are you planning to stay LA center or are you planning to like expand in our states? How, how does that work? What are your thoughts? Right now, it's really a main focus of LA just because of the needs like really high. Another place would obviously New York is another area where there's a high rate of at-risk youth that are experiencing homelessness. But, you know, I'm a strong believer to, you know, kind of focus in the environment that you know. And then as things kind of become more self-operated, then you can kind of move on to other areas to discover and study out that area. So I love yeah. that. I want to know more about personal Garrett, right? We are talking a lot of business. I mean, how do you manage your mindset, right? As you are constantly faced with, you know, like young people who have had really rough challenges. Like, how do you provide that safe space? That's something that I'm like super curious about because I'm a coach. Of course, usually I'm sure you have a lot of more traumatic events that they talk about. So how do you manage that safe space for them? And yeah. for you? <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. I mean, right now we've kind of grew into... We have a good amount of staff now, so a lot of staff do that one-on-one uh, -on -one connection with them. I kind of more so play the oversight, but I also coach a lot of our staff on how to navigate some of these different conversations. And so I will say, you know, really with those one-on-ones that they're having, as a staff, we do a lot of self-care activities. So we try to do those different things. We also focus on highlights for the month. So we have a staff meeting where we talk about highlights. But it's really about filling up the positive tank more than because our mind just goes straight to negative all the time. So we have to constantly fill that up as much as possible. And so, you know, our youth have ups and downs, but it's important to just kind of focus on 
one, what's the purpose here? Two, let's focus on the positives. And three, this is their life too. And so we have to, we can't want it more than them. They have to want it more. And so we just kind of support wherever they are in that walk. And then for me, you know, what I do is a lot of self-care too, meditate, journal, you know, sometimes just kind of getting away for a little bit. I love nature. So those are a couple of things that just kind of reflect. But I also strongly encourage just getting coaches. You know, I have about two coaches right now, ranges from like two to three sometimes, depending on what the need is. Exactly. Um, that's true. <laughs> I reach out to one. I mean, I'm a coach, but coaches need coaches, right? Like you do. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's true. it depends on what you need, the person, the scope. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> and if you can't afford a coach now, find people that are going to shift your perspective. Because I think that's the biggest thing is that a lot of we only have our own perspective. And that's what kind of eats us up sometimes when we're dealing with different problems or losses or whatever the case might be. We can only look at it from one side. But if you bring in individuals that help you be able to look at it from the other's perspective, it just creates a different energy that you experience after switching it. You know, you really don't you know, sometimes you don't know what's on the other side of the hill until someone helps you, you know, lift you over the wall to be like, oh, wow, this is a whole new perspective, a whole new, the grass is greener on the side, you know. That um, is true. So that's really mainly what I use, like, my coaches for is like, here's the problem. I need help changing the perspective. Give me empathy on this or help me to, you know, see opportunity in this because I'm depleting, you know. So, yeah, that's my answer. <laughs> I love it. And I think it's so important because whenever we are going through the situation, we are just enclosed there. Sometimes, like you said, we don't see the whole picture. We don't see at a more strategic level either. right? So I love someone who provides you with a different perspective. Do you always have this entrepreneurial mindset? I mean, I am just in awe at everything you have built. I'm like, <laughs> where did this come from? I mean, did you always have that as a child or how did that come to be? I think every entrepreneur is just mainly born or creative. Yeah. Um, and I think for me, I was just born creative. I always wanted to like understand how something, you know, worked or even, you know, with fashion and things like that. I always, why can't you wear it this way? Why can't it be this way? You know, so I think as we get older, we suppress that why mentality, always having why, because people are telling you no. Gratefully, I grew up in a family that didn't necessarily like suppress the why so much, but encouraged it. So I think, you know, for anyone that is like feeling, you know, wanting to get into entrepreneurship, I think just practicing asking yourself why, like, why not start something? Why not be this? Why not, you know, try this new food? Why not this? You know, break yourself out of that box so that you can become a creative again. I think everyone starts off as a child. And children are, all children are creative. We just end up suppressing it because adult, like society tells you, you have to do this, have to get a job, all these different things. But I don't think life's about that. We need to be explorers and creative. I love that. Same here, my friend, because as you know, my journey has been like trying to fit into that box and 
knowing within myself that I didn't fit and that's not what I wanted. So peeling those layers back and going back to the core and understanding what my why, what my purpose was. So I love that. (laughs) You think that's awesome. (laughs) Okay, my friend. And by the way, one last question, because I'm just so curious with this whole journey. So you had this idea of the nonprofit and then you have built a team, you have a staff. How did you get there? I mean, from having your own idea, just being geared yourself to having a group of people and a team of people support you. What was the key there? What is the secret? (laughs) Uh, I don't know if there's any secret. I would say that like, you know, a lot of people can get stuck looking at the big picture. That could be very overwhelming and it kind of, you know, puts you in this paralyzed mentality. But I think it's always good to have the big picture be inspired by the big picture, but don't put too much pressure on yourself of not ob- of being able to obtain it or not obtaining it. You know, so I say that I'll say is, yes, I'd say that I'm a visionary. So I definitely focus on the big picture and I can see it. It doesn't overwhelm me, but it excites me because I'm, I'm not a super perfectionist. So I don't get fixated on it being this way perfectly. My whole concept is if you shoot for the stars, you end in the clouds, you know, like, let's just, you know, make something up so that you can shoot for it, but don't beat yourself up if you don't make that accomplishment. And then just going back to like focusing on brick by brick as you're building this thing, just focus on making the best brick possible and then start the next brick, you know? And so for me, it was back when I started the clothing line, it was like, I just started making shirts for myself and then people liked them. And then I made one for someone else. And then, you know, then another person wanted it. And so then it just turned into like, okay, those are my bricks. And then once you understand that, okay, these are actually, these bricks are holding steady. What's the big picture here? Oh, maybe I could start a whole clothing line. Well, how am I going to get the money? Oh, how much do I need? And then once you, I'm big on vision boards. So if you put like how much you need on a vision board, you know, the universe is just kind of takes you there and, and then you end up getting the money randomly. And so I say that I'll say is, you know, big pictures are really there for you to imagine so that you're putting that energy out there so that the people that you need and the money that you need comes to you. But don't get held up on, I got to do this by the end of the year or three years from now, five years from now. Use it as a tool to be able to gravitate for that next level that you're going to. But don't make it something that's so huge that you don't start anything, you know? Yeah. Don't get so attached to the outcome and even strive for perfection when there is no perfection anywhere. Right. And even Mm -hmm. if perfection existed, how are you going to get there if you don't start? You know, (laughs) there is so much that you learn in the journey and then you get better, you get feedback, you get better. And that step-by-step you get to that vision. So I love that. Yeah. Okay. My friend, anything else? I love this has been Oh my God, this has been so inspiring for me and I cannot wait until this (laughs) episode goes live. What you're doing is life-changing and you have shed light in such a big socioeconomic issue that sometimes we don't talk much about. You know, I see it in the streets, but I don't know much about it. So I just love getting educated uh, in Mm -hmm. that topic. Anything else that you want to share with our listeners? Maybe, you know, like, how they can contact you, or if you have a free resource, you give the website, you gave the website already, but just anything else, anything else before we conclude? I would say anyone that's looking to really, you know, 
make a difference. Download the five steps of creating your own nonprofit. It's a quick roadmap. It's at freetoolssaveapenny.org. Again, freetoolssaveapenny.org. It's free. It's something that helped me. And I just wanted to give it out. If you're interested in other things, my website is on seedhouseproject.org. My information is listed on there. But yeah, I just want to help other people be able to make a mission and a purpose in life because if we can do that, you know, we're in harmony with the world, with ourselves, because what we give out is really what we want. So I love it. I cheers to uplifting the world because that's what we are here for. We are here to serve and live purpose driven lives. Mm-hmm. Garrett, thank you so much for your time. I feel so grateful that we got to connect. This is the first time, by the way, everyone, this is the first time that Garrett and I see each other on video. So <laughs> <laughs> I yep. just love the technology and how we can make connections with like-minded individuals and purpose-driven individuals. So thank you so much for reaching out, Garrett. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, thank you so much for having me on the show. Appreciate you. <laughs> Take care, everyone. Visit Garrett's website. Find a free resource. It's going to change your life. I'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening at With Clarity and Purpose. I really hope you enjoyed today's episode. Sharing is caring. Please share with your friends and family so we can continue building an empowered community together. I'll see you next week.